The following program contains adult content. It is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18. This content is not safe for work. If you are a pearl clutcher, a prude, or a pious type, just don't listen. Welcome to There Are No Nice Guys, a podcast about divorce, dating, sex, and what happens when single women realize that there are no nice guys. I am your host, Laura Coronado. Thank you for joining me. Well, here it is. This is episode nine of There Are No Nice Guys, and this is my season finale episode. I do plan on coming back with another season, uh, but for this premiere season, this is going to be my last episode for this season. And if you've listened to all eight prior to this one, oh my God, thank you. Thank you for coming back for more. Um, I guess I didn't offend you enough in the first eight that uh, you're here. So thank you for not being a pearl clutcher. Thank you for not being offended. Thank you for giving me another chance. And as I always say in every episode, you know, I hope you're getting something out of this. Uh, There Are No Nice Guys is meant to be a support group for single women. And I think we need that. I think we need each other. Um, So we don't feel so alone in our single female experiences and whether they're good or bad and um, to validate, you know, what we're feeling and what we're all going through. So thank you so much for continuing to listen to me as I share my experiences and interview other women who share their own. Um, So for this season finale episode, I brought in an expert. And she is a therapist, basically. So um, if you haven't been able to see your own as I haven't been able to because of Coronavirus, um, here's your chance to, uh, to sort of to listen in to the guidance and tips and recommendations from an expert therapist as she talks to us about um, dating and, and sex and divorce, we got to return back to that subject because I firmly believe that when we come out of self-isolation, self-quarantine, um, these stay-at-home orders are expired, I think that you're going to see a lot of divorces and a lot of relationship breakups. Um, I can't imagine going through all this, being cooped up with my ex-husband. Um, he wasn't a terrible human being, by the way. Uh, those just the, those last couple years of our marriage, when it unraveled, when it fell apart, were about like a couple of the worst years of my life, um, because I was basically sharing a roof with somebody who I I knew no longer loved me, and certainly who didn't desire me, and I felt really, really alone, even though I was in his presence, because in his presence he wasn't present, so. I mean, those were like the loneliest years of my life. Um, and I am now physically alone under one roof by myself. And um, I don't feel alone, you know, because I'm here with me and I don't feel so abandoned and discarded. So I 
imagine, oh my God, I feel like I want to start crying. I imagine any woman out there right now who's in an unhappy marriage, who's being forced to spend all this time with someone that she no longer loves or that no longer loves her. You know, they just both changed over the years and that happens. That's perfectly normal. But how hard and heartbreaking it must be to be cooped up with someone going through this pandemic experience that you no longer relate to and that you no longer connect with. That's going to be tough as shit. So if you have been going through that, I applaud you and commend you for going through the day, going through every day and focusing on um, you know, complying with orders and um, focusing on the health of your community and focusing on your own health and even focusing on the health of your partner whom, you know, you no longer want to be with. But nonetheless, I'm sure you don't wish that person death, you know, or illness. And I'm sure they don't wish the same for you. So kudos to you um, for going through this and during probably in a difficult emotional time for yourself. And um, when you can exit the relationship, the best advice I can give you is to do so with honesty, of course, but with love and with kindness and with compassion. And I don't recommend that you do this because for the other person to benefit the other person, I, rec- I, rec- I recommend it so that it benefits you. Because you don't want to feel like a shitty human being when you leave this relationship. So don't beat up the other person. And I, I, I mean that emotionally, please physically keep your hands off one another. But emotionally, do not beat up the other person that um, is in the relationship, the person you're leaving. Do not... Um, Don't try to do this in a hateful manner because you will feel like shit. I guarantee it. Um, You want to be able to move on from this, right? You want to be able to move on and move forward. And the only way you can do that peacefully is to exit the relationship with love and kindness and compassion. Um, Golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I'm an atheist and I believe in that golden rule. So, um, exit the relationship with love, um, with friendship, and especially if you share children or even pets, um, you definitely want to do this amicably, as amicable as you possibly can. But I wish you the best of luck if this is something that is going to occur with you, um, an ending to a relationship. And I highly recommend listening thoroughly to this episode. Um, my ther- my um, guest is uh, Dr. Renee Solomon. And she was on a phone when we conducted the interview. So I apologize for any weird um, audio issues you may hear. Uh, but really try to pay attention to her advice and her guidance because we do cover um, divorce and exiting the relationship. Uh, we cover dating and when is the right time to go back to it. And yes, there will be a right time for you, but you have to be the one to figure it out. And we also talk about how to remain encouraged and um, to keep up your self-esteem um, when you're out there dating. Um, you know, I'm sure you've 
heard interviews with actors and they constantly go through rejection. I mean, I can't imagine I've not done stuff like that, but our models like, can you imagine like standing in front of a group of people and they're like fucking judging you like based on your looks or based on whether or not you read a script correctly or how you pronounce things or whether or not you were able to do a Southern accent correctly. I mean, it's really weird. I couldn't do the shit that actors and models go through as far as uh, just setting yourself up in such a vulnerable, vulnerable position to just be judged by people. And to me, that's what dating's like, right? Because there's rejection and there's disappointment. And there's a time when, man, it seems like it's going really well with someone. And then suddenly out of the blue, they text you and they're like, yeah, not interested anymore. And I'm going to block you now. I mean, it's bizarre. And, we, and these stories happen like this is real fucking life. So to me, dating is can be as harsh as going to audition after audition after audition after audition. And if you're constantly being rejected or you're constantly encountering disappointments or you're constantly being confused or you're being sent uh, mixed signals, mixed messages, how the fuck are you supposed to navigate this in a healthy manner? How are you supposed to keep up your self-esteem, your confidence, how are you supposed to not get discouraged, just throw in the fucking towel and give up? So Dr. Renee Solomon is going to cover this for us and talk to us about these things. So um, again, I apologize for any audio issues, but I really do think that there is some valuable advice and guidance in this interview. So pay attention closely. You're listening to episode nine. That is my season premiere, uh, my season finale, actually, of There Are No Nice Guys, a podcast about divorce, dating, sex, and what happens when single women realize that there are no nice guys. And to close the season, I thought it would be a good idea to reach out to an expert, someone who can really talk to us about sex and dating and relationships and so I will be interviewing today Dr. Renee Solomon. Now she's a clinical psychologist who's been in private practice for over 22 years. So she knows her shit. She holds both a master's and doctorate degree in clinical psychology and is licensed as both a marriage and family therapist as well as a psychologist. So Dr. Renee is the CEO of Forward Recovery. So you can actually visit her website at forwardrecovery.com, and that's located in Beverly Hills. She specializes in treating couples and adolescents dealing with a variety of issues, including anxiety, addiction, depression, relationship issues, infertility, transitions, and trauma. So Dr. Renee, thank you so much for coming on the show and letting me talk to you about divorce and dating and sex. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I think it's a great topic. Thank you. Well, you know, we're in the age of coronavirus. And at some point, this is going to come out. And as, as we're talking right now, I'm interviewing online. And, and uh, we've, we've both been practicing isolation. Um, but I really think that when we come out of this, it's going to be a shit show out there, not just in dating, but I think there's going to be a lot of divorces and breakups. Do you think so, too? Oh, definitely. People are being cooped up with each other. They're not used to that. There's a lot of 
marriages that are going to end in divorce. A lot of people are building up a lot of resentment. And then there's the financial issue. Oh, yes. You know, in terms of how people are going to want to be together after losing money. And it's, it's really going to change how we interact. It really is. And, you know, I just, I, I think there's going to be some chaos out there. I'm, I'm sure your appointment books will fill up with a lot of people wanting to talk to you when we can finally uh, get out of our houses. So, yes, there's, there's a lot of anxiety floating around. I'm, I'm actually having a lot of phone sessions being booked oh, right now. Oh, you are doing too, phone sessions. Are, okay. Yes. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Now, I, it's, it's an it's an anxiety-provoking time. Yes, Sorry. yes, it is an anxiety-provoking time. I mean, uh, a marriage is hard enough as it is, and I'm divorced myself. I'm, I consider myself to, still newly divorced because it's only been four years. I was married 22 years. So to me, that's still newly divorced. Wow, that's yeah, a long time. That's, to me, that's still newly divorced. And I got to tell you, I've been going through all this thinking, I there's probably some people who are like, oh, man, I wish I wasn't divorced. I'm kind of like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I got divorced when I did. <laughs> Can you imagine being holed up with your ex-husband no, right now? No, Not because any? <laughs> those last two years, our marriage was pretty much unraveling as it was. That, you know, yes. I can't imagine. I mean, if we were in happy times, sure, that would be great. But those, those last right. few years of our right. marriage were, just were awful. And, yeah. And I... I know nothing about your marriage, but I was just assuming if you got divorced, it, was awful. it would not be someone you would want to, I, I assume, I assume you would not want to be no. with that person right now. Definitely yeah. not. <laughs> so I can only imagine that there are people right now who have been in unhappy marriages, who, but who work out of the yes. house for eight hours a day. So they're not really having to deal with um, exactly. yeah, facing this head on. Now they are. And I can only imagine what it's going to be like when we're all out of, it's, it's, Yes. Well, and, and there's, you know, especially the parent that works full time that also isn't around their children all mm -hmm. the time. And now they're having to be around their children. They're having to be, if they have younger kids, they're having to be a school teacher and a parent and a spouse. And that's a lot to put on one person during this really stressful mm -hmm. time. So relationships are definitely going to unfortunately break down. So if anyone's listening and, and they can see themselves filing for divorce, breaking up with their boyfriend, moving out, whatever, I mean, what, what do we tell them about recovering from that? What do we tell them about bouncing back with dignity? And especially, and I really want to emphasize, I think this is really important, ex exiting a relationship or a marriage with, lo with love and with compassion and with kindness. How, how do we do this? You know, you bring up a really good question. And I think every relationship is obviously very different. But I think what you just said was very insightful really approaching things with kindness and being honest and understanding too that when this ends, it's not like the world is going to be perfect. And I think a lot of people, if they think about that ahead of time and don't have this expectation that everything's going to be perfect and just taking things step by step, I think that will, that's a better way to approach mm -hmm. it. I also think that, you know, when we start going back to other activities and other people in our lives, our, our primary relationship will change and it could change for the better. But this is a time where you can spend quality time with someone, even though it can drive, they can drive you nuts. Mm -hmm. But if, if it can be, if you can find the value of what you like in your partner and try to remember why you picked that person originally. And then, and then some, some relationships, as you know, are better ending anyway. And if that's happening, just especially if you have kids, just doing it in a very um, kind way and not dragging other people into the situation. And there's a lot of different things you can do with mm -hmm. that. But I think it's being kind to yourself and not having an expectation that, when this is over, everything will be perfect or making rash decisions right now. 
because a lot of people will react out of um, stress and anxiety, and it may not be the right decision to end the relationship, or it might be, but, but you're not going to know until things settle down. Too. So I just would be careful not to be impulsive in making decisions right That's now. That's true. I feel like that the worst decisions are made out of an act of desperation or fear yes. or stress. That's very true. So, um, true. so let's say, you know, a, a woman comes to terms with, she, she needs to file for divorce. She needs to end the relationship she's in. Um, how does she move on after that? Especially if it's been a long-term relationship and, and do, should we be treating whatever emotional phases we feel after a divorce? Should we start looking at that? Like the way we treat grief, you know, when somebody passes away, I mean, is it the same kind of grief when a relationship ends? It, it definitely is. And I think that's a great question too. It's, you know, there's a woman, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross came up with the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargain, depression, acceptance. And I think, you know, the ending of a relationship is definitely a death and a loss and sometimes a betrayal too, just depending. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important that we do treat it as a loss and allow ourselves to grieve. Even if it's a horrible relationship, mm -hmm. like your relationship was a long time, it's still a loss. I mean, it's... <laughs> You know, you were with someone a big chunk of your life. So anybody going through that, it's, it, it is still, a, it's a death. It's a death of the fantasy of what you thought the relationship would be. It's a loss of being in a couple relationship for right now, not forever. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely, I think that's a great way of saying that it's definitely a loss. So she gets divorced. She goes through her grieving period. She acknowledges the loss. When, and I'm sure you get this a lot, and there's no definitive answer, but I got to <laughs> ask, when is the right time for a newly divorced woman or someone who's fresh out of a relationship to get back into dating again? So if, if the relationship deteriorated, let's just say at the scene, then someone who all of a sudden their relationship just abruptly ends and let's say someone finds out and there's an affair or, or whatever it is that it's uh, more of an abrupt ending and it is so individual but I would say I think people know when they're mm -hmm. ready and I think some people just want to have distraction the one piece I would say too is that if you're freshly out of a marriage and you're dating you have to be honest with the person that you're mm -hmm. dating and you have to know it's probably not going to be a serious relationship and sometimes people just want to casually date or they're lonely they're not used to being alone. I usually encourage people also to spend more time with their friends initially mm -hmm. and focus on that because that, you know, when you take away a behavior, you have to replace it with mm -hmm. something. And if you replace it with friendships, then you're not going to hurt someone else. And also, you're not going to put yourself in a position that you're not ready to be mm -hmm. in. Because some people think, oh, you know, I'm ready. And they start dating and they get physical with someone. And then they start missing their ex or they compare the person to their ex. Or they just decide, you know what, I don't want to take this on right now. So it's, there, I, I, once, I think I once read something in graduate school that for every year you're, I don't believe this, but for every year you're in a relationship, you should wait, um, I think it was like it was six months or something wow. ridiculous. Like you're, you're not going <laughs> to wait until, you know, however many years that would be for you. You weren't going to wait 10 years to date oh, again. No. <laughs> um, no. I, and, and once again, it depends how over the relationship you are. If you, if you are you know, completely done with it, I think a month or two is appropriate. I think a death sometimes is uh, different. If you lose a spouse through um, death, 
sometimes I think you need to wait longer because there's more of that idealization that mm-hmm. happens than if you're just um, divorcing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that, what ended the relationship was the death. It wasn't that you both wanted to yes. end it. So to me, that would, take, that would be a little bit longer yes. for mm-hmm. dating. Mm-hmm. But being honest, like I said, that's the most important piece because if you're honest with the other person, then it can be really casual. And if both people are okay with that, then that's fine. I think it's easy to be honest with someone and say, you know, I'm fresh out of divorce. I think the problem is, is that when yes. you are fresh out of a divorce, it's hard to be honest with yourself. And I think that's why we always want these different yes. answers of like, okay, you should wait exactly one month or you should wait exactly three months. If we had like a little guidebook to help us, because I think we go through a fog <laughs> and we just, we, we, right. we lose ourselves and we don't know ourselves anymore. And we don't know when we're ready. We just sort of either jump in or we completely hide right. and don't give it a try until right. it's been way too long. Well, and that's why I suggest sort of the middle ground of going out with Mm -hmm. friends and hanging out and being in social environments, flirting, maybe some casual dating. But I I would say give it, you know, minimum three Mm -hmm. months before dating. But, but, and I'm just throwing out a number, but it's, God, I've I've seen patients in my practice where they need a -hmm. year. I've seen some men that need a year. I've seen some people a month after they're dating and they're fine. So it's, it it just really runs Mm -hmm. the gamut. It's so individual. Mm -hmm. When I got divorced, I went all out crazy. <laughs> and not only did I jump back into dating and having sex, but it was uh-huh. multiple yes. men. I mean, multiple. It was less though. You would have thought I was a nun and I wasn't. Although the last two years of my marriage were loveless and sexless. So I kind of felt like a nun. There you yeah. go. And, and there you go. Like, you got to make yeah, up I was for like it. a nun and there's a bikini beneath that took off my habit and and next thing you know, I was just like, woohoo, let's go, boys. And, but yes. that actually was not healthy behavior either. I mean, that was pretty toxic for me as well. Because, of course, there was the but, guy I fell in love with, but then I was still seeing other guys. And it was confusing. It was yes. so confusing. It's very confusing. And I have to tell you, that's so common with, with women, I think, and men, especially being together 20 mm-hmm. years, that initially there's this surgence of sexual mm-hmm. behavior. Because it's kind of like you've had vanilla for 20 years and all of a sudden you realize there's like 50 other flavors yes, in the ice cream. Yes. So you're going to try the chocolate mint and the chocolate and the strawberry and you're going to like it. Definitely. <laughs> and I definitely did try out some chocolate mint, that's for sure. Oh, I, I, as you should. <laughs> as you should. Um, so that's, I, I laugh about it now. Because you were young. It was, it was, I, was, it, I just feel like it was toxic behavior at the time. It wasn't in my best interest and I wouldn't recommend that people go crazy like that after a relationship. What, what was the, I'm just curious, like what was the hard part for you that you did have feelings for one person and you couldn't stop or what, what was the, what was toxic about it for you? Because sometimes it's a good release. I think what it was is that I was way too generous with my body and and my time with men who really didn't deserve me. Gotcha. that's a yeah, it was story. as little as, yes. oh, he's paying attention to me. He's telling me I'm sexy and pretty. Basically, you had a variety of men who were doing things for me that my ex-husband wasn't doing for me those last two years. And, right. and so basically, guys, that now that I'm in a, in a better frame of mind, guys that I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole now. <laughs> Unfortunately, four years ago, I was giving them access to me, my body, my time, my mind. It was ridiculous. Yes. But that, that's because you were in that initial stage of denial when we talk about the grief and, and also fulfilling needs that had not been fulfilled. I think initially everyone wants to feel desired. 
because you didn't feel desired most likely at the end of exactly. your marriage. I'm not trying to analyze you, but you're the only one on the phone, so I have to do that. <laughs> There's no, no one else right. here. So, yes, yes. So it it makes sense to me. That's why it, it could be it could be a very healthy time for mm -hmm. someone. And then also, though, now you know what not mm -hmm. to do, and you've sort of built up that strength to know. I'm guessing you know more what you're looking for in a partner than you did when you first ended your exactly. marriage. Like how that flip into mm -hmm. that. Yeah, yes. I, I have more direction. I know so much more about what I want. I'm actually not looking for a partner and I, I do enjoy being single and dating different men, but I am learning that uh -huh. I need to set my standards higher, even if it's for something like casual sex, my standards should still be remain high and I shouldn't be settling. So I want to bring it back to uh, coronavirus time again. And, uh, you know, once this whole thing's over and we're back out there and we're dating and we're socializing, I just don't want to see women um, settling and ignoring the red flags um, from a lot of like sex crazed, desperate, horny guys who think that it's going to be some sort of free for all because it's not. And I want to make sure that women are right. keeping their standards high. How do, how do we do that? I think the best way to do that and keeping our standards high is by practicing now and really finding strength in what we're doing and creating a routine and a pattern of valuing mm -hmm. ourselves, of exercising. Mm -hmm. I know this is such a difficult time for mm -hmm. everybody, obviously, but we can also make it where it's not the most horrible thing on the earth. You know, people are spending, families are spending quality time together, mm -hmm. which is a nice thing, but you can also slow down your world. I mean, I know that I, I've noticed about myself that I was constantly go, 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 which I know it seems like that's what's happening right now, but um, I have, it is a little bit, but I have definitely slowed down and, and been able to take in more. And I think if people do it in a way of valuing themselves now and really thinking about what they're going to want later, I think they will be less likely to fall into that trap. Now, it's going to be hard because people will be craving, um, you know, uh, connection mm -hmm. and being mm -hmm. touched. And it's, you know, because this has been, it will have been, I'm guessing, a long time before we can, you know, interact in, in the way socially that we've been mm -hmm. doing. I think it's going to, people, a lot of people, like you were saying, especially men, will gravitate towards, um, you know, instantly trying to fulfill that vibe. Whereas I think women will look for that mental connection. Mm -hmm. I was also thinking that. Um, I don't know if you saw the show Love is Blind. Did you see I didn't that watch show? it, but I've heard lots of people talking about it. So it would be interesting. I think you okay. should watch it. And basically the premise is that um, people are dating where they can't see mm -hmm. each other. So they're being forced to get to know each other and they have to propose to each other. So it's just an interesting premise in terms of that, of forcing people to focus on something aside from the physical. Mm -hmm. And being able to touch someone, and it's it's, it's you know it's a che it's a little cheesy reality mm -hmm. show, but it's it's an interesting experiment. And some of the couples do end up together. Spoiler alert, mm -hmm. sorry. Uh, but just this idea, and I'm hoping that maybe right now people that are continuing to meet other people and online date, they're getting to know each other. They're 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 getting to know each other in a way of actually getting to know mm -hmm. each other and not relying on the physical mm -hmm. piece. And so that it could also be a different situation, it could be a different turn of events where people build on that. And then when we are able to be together again, people can rely more on the physical. So I, I have some hope that that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. If people build those relationships now of true intimacy, mm -hmm. that, that doesn't always happen um, when we're not uh, uh, 
quarantined. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think it would help or is this too cheesy if a woman, I don't know, sat herself down, interviewed herself and wrote down what her standards are, what her rules of dating are, her policies or whatever? I mean, would that help at all? I think that's a great idea. Really? I think if women made a list of what's important Mm -hmm. to them in a mate, this is actually something I tell my patients Mm -hmm. to do all the Mm -hmm. time. Come up with four or five qualities that are really important to you that are, that are deal breakers. And when you're starting to meet people and date them, if they don't have them, move on to the next Mm -hmm. person. Don't waste your time continuing to do that because it's, it's, you will end up settling. You will end up being frustrated. And so often people continue in situations because either they don't want to be alone Mm -hmm or there's one quality they like about the person. But if you're in tune with yourself and you come up with those, you know, four to five qualities that are really important to you and stick to it, you will then find the person, you know, who you want to be with. But I, I agree with you. I think, I think this is a time of preparing for what we want mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it can be a really good way. So I, I like yeah, that idea. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Cheesy after all. <laughs> you're not cheesy. You're not cheesy. Well, I think it's good that we know who, we got to do whatever we can right now. If it's a little too easy. <laughs> well, I just think it's important that, you know, we know who we are and we know what we want. And that's how we can make our dating experiences, our dating lives uh, much more satisfying is by knowing who we, what we want and who we are as people and staying true to that. Um, but having said that, very often we are presented with red flags that I think and I don't, I don't really know too much about men, but I pay a lot of attention to women because, of course, I'm a woman. Um, it seems to me that we're, we've developed this terrible habit of ignoring red flags. It's almost like we feel bad if we acknowledge, hey, this guy seems a little creepy or he seems weird or I think he's lying or is he married because he's kind of acting like he's got something to hide. And, and then we just continue to ignore the red flags. I mean, how do, how yes. do we as women finally come to terms with the fact that these red flags are, I kind of feel like it's almost like if it's our, our higher self or our smarter self, that self that, you know, has intuition, that has a gut instinct telling us, hey, pay attention to this. How do we sort of embrace red flags yes. almost like a roadmap? I think some of it is about self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I think if we feel good enough about ourselves, and have other things in our life and don't just have dating be the only thing in our life or the only thing where we get validation, mm-hmm. I think then we will not ignore the red oh. flags. I think people ignore red flags because it's so important to them to be in a relationship or to get that validation or to be loved. Or some people feel the only thing that they have going for them and the only way they can be validated is through their looks or through a relationship. Mm-hmm. So add it to your life and not something that is the main part mm-hmm. of your life. A lot of people suffer from love addiction oh. too. And, and, and it's not just the sex addiction piece. It's, it's the needing to have a lot of attention and be, um, you know, love and low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So I, I think as women, if we work on our self-esteem mm-hmm. and raise that and feel good about ourselves and we'll listen to our intuition. I like that. I like that. So, I've said uh, on another interview with a, an online dating expert, expert is that um, we need to, you know, trust ourselves to handle those red flags and the situations that sometimes I feel like we don't 
the reason we don't acknowledge a red flag, let's say it's something like along the lines that I think he might be married, is that we don't trust ourselves to be able to handle the situation when we find out the truth that he is married, which I think falls in line, like you said, it's about self-esteem. If we have the right self-esteem, if we yes. have confidence in ourselves, yes. we will trust ourselves to handle the situation appropriately. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's that, that that's really what it comes down to. And as women in relationships, oftentimes we feel that men have the upper mm -hmm. hand. And I really believe that women have the upper hand until they have sex with a man. And then and then it's the, the dynamic changes yeah. in some ways. No, that's um, totally because true. You, you, and, and I'm kind of, you know, being extreme about it. But if you think about it, yes, <laughs> I say that a lot to my patients. I have a lot of single patients too. So yeah, that's a controversial and single part. friends. You know, and I too am divorced, so I have a lot okay, of single okay, friends. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, it really does hand over power. Yes. Um, and especially if the sex is good, because if if you give me a handsome guy and the sex is amazing, right? Right. I mean, I will totally fall in love with the dude. You know, um, and especially with me because I'm independent, so I don't. I mean, the guy could be broke right. and whatever. Right. It's like, I don't need anyone to take care of me. But you pay attention to me. You're handsome. Right. And we had great sex. We should probably get married now. <laughs> so, yeah, I can see sex being the, the, the key <laughs> that hands the power so, over. <laughs> yes. And I think, I think for you, too, once again, not trying mm -hmm. to analyze you, but I think for you, you know, coming up with those really important qualities for you when you're mm -hmm. ready. And I love that you're not looking at being in a relationship mm -hmm. right now because that says to me too that you're focusing mm -hmm. on you and your career and other, there's other things in your life that are important yeah. to you and I think that that's amazing I also think like I said earlier when it's not going to be very satisfying on some level you know it's important to have things that are just about you and obviously I'm a woman that works and I always work during my marriage and I have, I have a daughter so I have other things in my life but it's I think a good relationship is where both people have other things in okay. their lives too, and not just about mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's say, okay, now we've got the divorced woman. She's come out of coronavirus. She yes. filed for divorce. She's back on the dating scene only after having gone through her, her grieving period that like she allowed herself to do. So she's back to dating. Um, yes. and she knows herself and she knows what she wants. She's still inevitably going to encounter disappointments and rejection. And sometimes it can happen, especially, especially with online dating, when you're swiping right, swiping left, and maybe you're talking to five or six different guys on Tinder, five or six different guys on Bumble. I mean, the, the rejection can just multiply or the ghosting can multiply or the disappointments can multiply just by yes. sheer numbers. And it's hard for a woman to just not just give up, just right. throw in the flag and just be like the towel and just say, that's it. I give up on dating. How can that same woman who once had her shit together <laughs> overcome all the disappointments and the rejection that goes along with dating? It's such a hard piece. It really is because with online dating and dating in general, especially now because people can just, there's this idea that there's something better around mm -hmm. the corner in the next mm -hmm. swipe. So I think it's also about vetting the people who you're putting energy mm -hmm. into. 
because the online dating game, it's, it's really a numbers game. And unfortunately it is going through a lot of people before you find people that are genuine. I would ask a lot of questions. First of all, I always tell people when, when you're, when you're um, talking, talk on the phone before you want to oh, date okay. with someone. Because that will save you some time mm -hmm. as well. Because when you talk on the phone, you can you learn more and then you don't waste mm -hmm. your time. I'm a big proponent of not wasting your time with online dating because there's a big pool of people out there that you can date. So it's really just a question of fine-tuning and putting your energy in the right mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. Back to also being really clear what you're looking for. And as soon as you find a flag, you do. I listen to people all mm -hmm. day long. So I'm not going to, it's not going to be a good match for me if someone is just going to talk about himself and not ask yeah. about me. So if someone isn't asking about me, I'm kind of yeah. done and I'm going to move on pretty yeah. quickly. So that's just one example. But I think for, if you come up with sort of what your hot buttons are and what you want and you talk, like I said, you, you talk on the phone before you meet and you make really clear up what you're looking for and you find out what that person is mm -hmm. for. If you ask, Actually listen, asking about their past relationships, how they ended. I have found that a lot of times when marriages end when children are really, really young, it's usually because one person had an mm. affair. So that's an interesting mm -hmm. piece sort of to learn. When people, when you're dating and someone is not divorced, I don't think that's the best plan if you're looking for a serious relationship. Yeah. So there's, there's certain things if, now, if I ask about past relationships, because you will learn how to treat their ex and what happened there. How they treat their ex, well, also how they talk about their ex, oh, you know, when you're, when you ask them that question, to me, that's one of those sort of red flag things. Like if they start just shitting all over their ex-girlfriend or their ex-wife, to me, that's actually a red flag. Like I'm like, okay, he obviously is he's speaking so badly about this ex. Like to me, that's just too hostile. That's not somebody I want to continue dating. Yes. Um, so when we're going through the vetting process. I agree. And if they still have that emotional charge. Mm -hmm. It, that's typically in the beginning when things aren't done. Mm, that's a good point. That's a yes. good point. The, the vetting. I'm sorry. So when we're again. going through the vetting the process, yes. how do we know when we're just simply being sensible yes. and vetting or we're being too judgmental? And here's a really good example. There have been times that I've gone on a date with, or maybe I'm just talking to a guy and he's been divorced okay. three times. Like, Am I just being a judgmental bitch by going, oh my God, that got, that dude with that many <laughs> amount of divorces beneath his belt is just a train wreck? Or should I be compassionate and be like, well, I don't really know what happened, so maybe I should give him a try anyway. Like when, when are we being judgmental and when, when are we simply vetting? So that's a good example. And that, that's a real tough one because that, that, would, that would be a bit of a red flag to me as well. But what I would do is... I would want to understand what his understanding is of what happened and what work has he done on himself since then? Because some people ahead that let's say, I don't know, the first one, I don't know, whatever it is, if he has an understanding of what he did in the past and what he wants to do mm -hmm. different, I would be open to it in the back of my mind though, keeping it, you know, this may not be my Prince Charming, mm -hmm. but if he understands what happened and what work he's done on himself, then you can be open to it. That's but if you're hearing like, oh, yeah, these women do this and mm -hmm. he blames it all on mm -hmm. them, that's the other piece too. I think people have responsibility. It's, if, if someone doesn't take responsibility, that's a red flag to me. Because in, in any relationship, it takes two. It's not just one mm -hmm. person. It mm -hmm. takes two. So how are we owning our piece of our own breath is an important um, indication of how we will be in our next
So he's showing responsibility for these past divorces and not just blaming his exes. And he's showing that he maybe has learned something from these divorces. Mm -hmm. and so he's experiencing some growth. Then that gives us some hope that, hey, maybe there's like hope for this guy. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I would hope that he's been in some serious therapy. I mean, that would be, and obviously I'm going to be prejudicial about <laughs> therapy, but it's, that's really, I mean, it's important. I mean, if someone's gone through that, I mean, I mean hopefully I think everybody after divorce should have therapy mm -hmm. in general just to process it and talk about it because it is a big rupture in your yeah. life. It's, it's really, it's your whole world blowing yes. up. And if you have children too, that's a really tough piece mm -hmm. too. Yeah. I definitely started seeing a therapist. So I think it's important to, to process it in therapy and learn and grow from it. I completely agree. I, after my divorce, I started seeing a therapist and it's four years later mm -hmm. and I'm still seeing a therapist while well, my father passed away last year. So then it was like this whole other grieving process that I've had to go through. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm just not ready to stop seeing my therapist, even though it's been four years since my divorce. Whole other loss. Yeah, exactly. Another loss. I, I, I think people should be in therapy. Yes, it is. It is another loss. I'm so sorry about your dad. My Thank dad you. actually died in late October. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry for your loss. You. So I'm, I am. It's a huge mm -hmm. loss. If you're, if you're close to your mm -hmm. parent, mm -hmm. even if you're not, it's a, it's a, so it's, I get that. And then there's the piece too of, you know, if you compare men to your father, there's that whole situation with that. Or I think about, you know, that my father won't meet um, you know, the person, if I choose to get mm -hmm. married again, like there's a lot of things that can, you know, come up around that with losing mm -hmm. a father. Mm -hmm. So I understand that yeah. too, but it's, and like I said, you, you have to be in the mindset of wanting to do this because if you're just doing it to do it well and so it's being ready is really important for picking a good solid partner yeah. well um I'm, I'm gonna let you go soon but i wanted to ask you one final question because i already okay. have my theory on it and i want to get yours so you know very often people complain about the way dating is nowadays that the reason it's so difficult is because of online <laughs> dating and social media but i'm a gen xer and i'm old enough to remember what dating was like for my mother uh -huh. when she was single in the 80s and it seems to me that the things that i complain about yes. and that my friends complain about today were the things that my mother and her friends complained about in the 80s and i can't help but think it's the same shit show. It's just a different platform or a different method of dating. Do you really think online dating has had a negative impact on dating overall? I think it's positive and negative. I think the negative is this idea that there's a better person in the next swipe. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that's a negative. I think the positive, though, is that you have the opportunity to meet so many more people, people that you wouldn't normally meet living in different places places so it's there's good in, like like you, know, you can meet someone that is half hour away that you whatever works for you or that works you know having a long distance mm -hmm. relationship because if you look at two in the past when people had affairs it was oftentimes people that traveled or you know would come out in different ways or the the housewife that's home and her neighbor is home too you know so it's there is a piece of opportunity that that is more available now with social media and online mm -hmm. dating. And then there's these other websites like Ashley Madison, which is for people that want to have affairs in their oh, marriage. Right. So 
there's more opportunity to be able to cheat mm-hmm. now. But I also think people's level of satisfaction or dissatisfaction in their marriages, I don't know if that's any different. And if you're in a good marriage, it's not just about, you know, what's available to you. It's about your ideas on who you are, your integrity, and, you know, how you want to pursue your life and how you want to live mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I see good and bad with it. I mean, some of those people with that mentality of that there's something better upon the next swipe, they would have that mentality anyway. They would just figure out another way of meeting other women. There's that idea. Yeah. Um, social media, though, I want to say one mm-hmm. thing about that. I don't think social media is great for our lives in general because I really feel like it's an opportunity to feel like shit about your own life because everybody posted everything is going so well. And that's a big piece that's a problem because everybody thinks, oh, wow, uh, my friend's always going to Hawaii or doing Mm -hmm. this and their life is so exciting. My life is so horrible. Mm -hmm. So it makes people feel bad. It's increased levels of depression, anxiety. I work with a lot of teenagers and I talk to them about social media because they think their life is supposed to look like their friends do on Uh Snapchat or on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And it's a real problem for Mm -hmm. teenagers. It's definitely a higher level of depression and anxiety. So that's where I see social media being problematic. Mm -hmm. Um, It has led to a bunch of affairs too, but people often will reconnect the high school reunion. I mean, there's other ways people have, you know, reconnected and had affairs. I have had some high school guys from the past <laughs> trying to hit me up on social media. So I <laughs> can attest to that for sure. <laughs> so thank you, Dr. Renee, for coming on to There Are No Nice Guys and letting me interview. You had so much great insight. Thank you so much. Everyone can find you at forwardrecovery.com, right? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking. Thank you topic and I appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts with everybody. Thank you. Okay, so thanks for listening to episode nine of There Are No Nice Guys, a podcast about divorce, dating, sex, and what happens when single women realize that there are no nice guys. I am your host, Laura Coronado. And before I let you go, I just have some words to talk about this episode and of course, the entire season. So first thing first, was this not like a really emotional and kind of hard and heavy episode to listen to? Um, as I like had to re-listen to the interview and um, and my intro and, and edit everything together, I was like, holy shit, this one's an emotional one. Um, because it's hard. I mean, we're, we're very mad of the fact about it. Like divorces and relationship breakups are coming um, when we're out of self-isolation and they will be in abundance and it's fucking sad. And um, it's, it's a reality that honestly, I, I wish that I had like a little magic bean and I could just fix that. I wish that I could just, you know, wish away everyone else's um, pain and misery. And there's a lot of pain and misery that does come with a breakup. But you know, here's the thing. There's more a pain and misery in staying in a relationship that is making you unhappy. That is more painful. That is more miserable. Exiting the relationship will hurt, but staying in one that is making you feel sad and lonely is so much fucking worse. So uh, please, please exit your relationship if that's if it's time for it to end. Please, please go ahead and do that. Um, don't be rash. 
you know, don't be like, well, I'm mad at him for this and that. And, 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 and you're just focused on these two things. Like, no, no, don't, don't ever be rash about something as serious as a relationship ending. Um, but if it's time and, and you, you know, it is, you'll know, you know, just like you knew when you fell in love with this person, you'll know when it's time to leave and you should, you should do it when you know that it's right for you. But as I said previously, and I keep saying it, and I'm going to say it again, exit the relationship with love and kindness and compassion, and you will not regret that. If you exit the relationship in a hateful manner, you will eventually regret that. So please exit with kindness and grace, and you will be able to move on peacefully and with dignity. And Treat the subsequent emotions that occur after leaving a relationship much in the same way you would treat grief. It is a death. My ex-husband used to hate when I would say that. Um, When we were still staying in touch and maintaining a friendship, we don't anymore. But uh, right after the divorce, we did try to maintain a friendship. And he used to hate when I would refer to our divorce as feeling like a death. Well, at that time, my father was still alive. I lost my father just last year. And at that time, he was still alive. So I didn't really know what a very important death was like. Like I'd lost my grandparents and I had mourned and grieved for my grandparents. And I had an aunt that was very special to me that had also passed away. Um, But I got to tell you, when my dad passed away, that grief was like so much worse than the grief I felt when I got divorced. But at the time, the divorce was the heaviest grief I had ever felt in my life. And my ex-husband used to get so mad and be like, it's not a death. How can you compare it to death? It's not like death. Um, so I kind of felt like, like, fuck you. Like, I'm allowed to feel how I want to feel. And maybe it's just easier for you to move on, seeing as how you you were the first one to fall out of love, right? You were, you were the first one to exit the relationship on an emotional and mental level. Um, so for me, there was still a grieving period. So that may be like that for you. You may physically go through a grief just like you would as though somebody close to you has passed away. And that is normal. And if you're not familiar with the stages of grief, I recommend that you do some Googling, maybe go buy a book and educate yourself on grief. Educate yourself on divorce and relationship breakup and the emotions that you will incur as a result of it. And just accept that you're a human being with human emotions. And you know what? They're going to change too. After a breakup, after a divorce, you may find yourself depressed as fuck on a Monday. Then Tuesday rolls around and all of a sudden you're like liberated and feeling optimistic. And you're like, fuck that piece of shit asshole that I just left. I'm a badass bitch and I'm here to like take on the fucking world and I'm going to fuck every guy there is. And then Wednesday you're feeling depressed again. That's just the way it happens, right? Those are emotions. You're human. Um, It's supposed to happen like that. So don't be hard on yourself and don't try and control everything you're feeling. Um, Control your actions, of course, but embrace and allow yourself to feel the way you feel, right? Your feelings are valid. And don't let anyone tell you how you should feel. That really sucks, you know? Be sure you surround yourself with people who are willing to listen without judgment and to listen without unsolicited advice. 
and to listen without pushing you to think, act, or feel a certain way, right? What you need are people who, when you say to them, I am so sad and lonely and I feel like I want to text my ex. These friends need to be like, that totally makes sense. You know, I've heard that that's a very common feeling to have. Um, it, you know, just I'm here for you. And tell me what you would say to this ex if you were to text him right now. Let me know what you would say. Like the, the, we need friends who listen and who are there, not friends who tell us what to do, what to think, how to act. Um, you don't want that, right? You have you have enough. It's, it's confusing enough when you're feeling these emotions, especially if you haven't felt them before, right? Like if this is your first divorce, and you know what? Even if it's your second or third divorce, it's your first divorce with that person, right? So if it's your second divorce, if, if, it, if it's your third divorce, you may still encounter emotions that you didn't encounter in the previous, previous divorces. That's okay. Again, that's normal. I guess what I'm really trying to say here is, well, you just be easy on yourself, you know, be kind to yourself. I'm telling you to exit relationship with kindness and love and compassion. But you know what? Treat yourself also with kindness and love and compassion. If you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? I forgive you for letting those red flags pass. And you married this guy anyway, even though we should have known he was going to be a shitty husband. Or maybe you want to forgive yourself for some of the things that you did wrong in the marriage that caused it to fail. Or maybe you want to uh, forgive yourself for exiting, right? Because maybe there's a part of you that later regrets it, right? So forgive yourself and look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I forgive you. I embrace these feelings you're going through now, this transition. It's okay to be human and I am here for you. Be there for yourself, the way a mother would be there for her child. That's really the way you got to look at this. So be kind to yourself, love yourself, be compassionate, and allow yourself to feel whatever it is that you feel. We do talk about in this interview, therapy, and the need for it after divorce or breakup. I highly recommend it. If you have access to health insurance, if you have the financial means to see or pay for a therapist. Um, I don't know if there are programs for people who um, are financially challenged and who need a mental health therapy. Um, if there are, please research them. Please find out. Please make a phone call. I, I, I honestly, I don't know. And hopefully I can do some research for you. Maybe I'll include um, some links in a blog post to help you find some information. But um I, I started seeing a therapist immediately after I got divorced. I mean, immediately, because I could not fucking navigate the waters. So that really helped me out. And here it is, four years later, I'm still seeing a therapist, especially after the loss of my father last year. Um, now that's another grief I'm having to go through, right? So I'm not ready to just not, to not see a therapist. Um, and it's helped so much. I mean, tremendously. I, I'm in a much better frame of mind today than I was four years ago when I first, first got divorced. I'm in a much better frame of mind today than I was this time last year. And I don't think I would progress so well had it not been for therapy. 
So if you can access a mental health therapist, I highly recommend that you do so. Talk these things out. Um, learn to analyze yourself. Learn to develop a relationship and a friendship with yourself so that you can be kind to yourself, so that you can nurture yourself, but also so that you can monitor and manage your behaviors so that they continue to be healthy and smart and wise and in your best interest. Dating's hard, um, but you know what? Life in general is hard. Life in general is filled with disappointments. Life in general is filled with rejection. I am sure you have applied for a job and didn't get it. I'm sure you have been up for a promotion or maybe up for a job that you really, really wanted. And you were probably one of the last two people they were considering. It's between you and one other person. And the other person got the job. It's happened to me. It's happened to me more than once. And there are a billion people out there that it's happened to them as well. We have to learn to accept rejection as a part of life. I like to sometimes think that rejection was protection for, from getting into something that just wasn't meant for you. I remember one time that I was up for a job I really, really, really wanted. And the other person who got it I knew her, I knew of her, and I knew that she was better for the job than I was. I mean, I knew it. And from and, and I, I liked this job so much and I liked the um, organization so much and it was community driven and I love my local community. That actually for me, it was still a boon because as someone who used, who was a part of this organization, who used the service, as someone who was a member of the community, I was actually feeling like I still benefited, even though I personally didn't get the position somebody else did, because she was so much, she was just so much better at this position than I knew I was going to be. Um, I really was second best to her. Um, I still felt like it was a boon for me anyway, because I was a member of the community and I was still going to benefit as a member of the community from her being in this position. And, and sometimes that's just the way it is in life. You know, you have to Accept that, you know, rejection and disappointment is just, it's just all part of the game. So when you're in dating and there's a guy that you really, really like, but he really, really likes somebody else, maybe that somebody else would be better for him than you would. Um, and in not being in a relationship with this guy that you really, really like, well, that frees you up to be in a relationship with somebody who really, really likes you because that's what you deserve. That's what we all deserve. We all deserve to be with people who really, really, really like us. When I lose interest in a guy, it's because he doesn't seem to really, really like me. Um, and even though, yeah, I'm looking for cash. I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm, all, I'm looking for casual sex or casual dating experiences. I'm not looking for anything serious. Nonetheless, I want to be in the presence of someone who really is into me. I don't want to be in the presence of someone who's just like, mm, she's, she's here for now. She's meh. Eh. Like that's not a fucking turn on. 
I like a man who looks at me like he desires me. He wants to devour me, right? He wants to just like scoop me up in a huddle of passion and just take me. I want a man who looks at me like that. So when I'm on a date with a guy and he's just sort of meh with me and I can tell he doesn't feel that way about me. He's not that into me. Yeah, he's, he thinks I'm pretty. I've got pretty eyes. I've got big tits. But he's not really into me. I lose interest because I deserve to be made to feel at least a little special, at least special enough for his company in that moment for his attention, right? For his desire. Um, I'm not looking for him to marry me, but at least he's got to like me, you know? So I only like guys who really, really like me. And I think that's a smart way to go. And that's what you deserve too. Someone who really, really likes you. So whether you're looking for something casual like I am or for something serious and long-term, don't settle for guys who just kind of like you or kind of pay attention to you. I mean, date the guys who really, really like you. So if you really, really like a guy and he really, really likes somebody else, be grateful that you're not stuck with some guy who just kind of thinks that you're meh. And now you're freed up to date guys who really, really like you. Well, if you've listened to all nine episodes now of There Are No Nice Guys, it must mean that you really, really like me. At least I hope you do. And I hope you'll come back from season two. It'll be more of the same, um, more interviews with more women, some of the same women. It will be about divorce and dating and sex and what happens when single and realize there are no nice guys. And hopefully I'll have even more experts than before. I don't know exactly if I'm going to have nine episodes next season. I may have more. Um, I don't know if I'll come back for season three. We'll see how it goes. But I think at this time, I'm ready for some feedback. I want to know what you think, what you don't like, what you did like. And if you're a man listening to this, not really interested in your opinion. I mean, it's the truth. And I know that pisses off a lot of guys, but it's true, right? This show was created for mainly for single women, but I embrace all women to come in and listen. I think that this, these are topics and I think this is a show that appeals to all women, uh, those who are in relationships, those who are married, um, those who aren't straight. I think all women can really relate to and appreciate a show like this. Um, but as I've said before, There Are No Nice Guys was meant as a sort of support group for single women. So that's who I want to hear from. I want to hear specifically from single women. I want to know what topics do you want me to talk about? Um, which were your favorite guests? Uh, did you like uh, Martina when we talked about squirting and she told me her dating horror story? Um, did you like Stacy, the boudoir photographer? So who do you want to hear more from? Should I bring back um, Dr. Renee? Should I bring back Amy, our online dating expert? Um, are there other experts out there that you recommend I reach out to an interview for season two. Um, were there topics that you don't like? Or were there topics that you want me to expand on more? Like maybe you want to talk more about sex toys, more about squirting. Um, did I talk too much about divorce? 
Um, did I cry too much? Um, did I say fuck too much? I probably will get a lot of those, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to keep saying fuck as much as I want. <laughs> I'm just now thinking, I bet uh, the email is going to come from my mother. Yeah. You said fuck too much me, huh? Oh, sorry, mom. Fuck it. It's just going to keep happening some more. So I really do want feedback from single women about what sort of topics you'd like, what uh, what you want to hear about, um, any other topics that maybe you'd like me to cover. So you can do that by going to my website and you can fill out the contact form. Or I also have my email address on there. And that website is there are no nice guys Dot com. So this wraps up the entire season of There Are No Nice Guys, a podcast about divorce, dating, sex, and what happens when single women realize that there are no nice guys. I am your host, Laura Coronado, and I invite you to give me your feedback at thereareonicegues.com. See you there. Freak, 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 freak.